Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and I've dedicated my life to sharing stories of how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. On this podcast, we're going to talk about some of the great ideas and activities people do every day to make the world a better place and provide inspiration for others. So much of the meaning we find comes from interacting with great people, developing relationships that are mutually beneficial, and doing work that inspires everyone. I hope you'll be inspired by the people you meet here. We all need to find a way to make meaning in the mundane. In 1945, there were 4.5 million hives of bees across America. Today, there are nearly 2.69 million. This rate of loss has happened over decades, but has picked up pace in the last seven years. Bees have thrived for more than 50 million years, and they pollinate one-third of the world's crops. What are we doing to destroy these important creatures, and what can we do to turn the tide? Why should humans care about the health of bees? And why is this an important conversation now? Today on the Make Meaning Podcast, we are going to talk to two guests as we look into the world of honeybees and how humans are killing a species that we don't realize we need to survive. Our first guest is Dr. Dennis Van Engelsdorp, a professor at the University of Maryland College Park, who is also president of the Bee Informed Partnership, a nonprofit dedicated to the health of honeybees. Dr. Van Engelsdorp is a, an expert on bees and pollinator health, and he gave a TED Talk entitled A Plea for Bees. Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast, Dennis. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're here. And this is a topic I've been interested in for a long time, and I don't really understand much about it. I'm afraid I'm a newbie when it comes to bees. So I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how you got involved with bees and what kind of work you're doing today. Sure. Um, I think that there's a saying in the bee community that, um, you know, once stung, it's in your blood and you know you're a beekeeper for life. Uh And that was really true for me. I was an undergrad and I had a gardening company up in Canada where I was studying. And I took a course on beekeeping just just to fulfill an elective. And I really fell in love. Like I and I went, I bought I bought some beehives, hmm. and all these things happened. And I had all these questions. I'd keep going to the professor to say, "Oh, you know, is this normal?" And all <laughs> these things. And it's just a great thing. I mean, everyone owes it to themselves to open a beehive at least once because it's a magical experience. You have these 20, 30, 50,000 workers working together. It's a sunny day. You smell the beeswax and you Mm -hmm. smell the ripening honey. You have to be in the Zen. You have to be in a calm place because you want the bees to stay calm. Uh And so it's a really magnificent experience. Hmm. And so everyone deserves it once. And I think that when you do it, you know whether this is something you want to continue to do. Sure. If I was very handy or mechanical, I think I would have become a beekeeper. But because <laughs> I like academics more, I think that that's where uh, my journey took me was to study them. And unfortunately now studying sort of their loss rates. Oh. But it's always good to sort of remember how amazing these organisms are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what are you working on today with regard to bees? I know that there's been this great concern about the decline. And then you had mentioned earlier that actually it may be increasing. So I just help us understand a little bit where we are today. 
Right. So honeybees are a managed bee species in the United States. They're not from actually America. They were okay. brought over from, from Europe. Mm -hmm. And we use them largely to pollinate crops. Mm. Um, in, in almonds, especially in California, mm -hmm. we need over half the colonies in the country to be in California for that month to pollinate the almond hmm. orchards. Wow. Because every almond needs to be visited by one bee. Wow. Hmm. And we also are dependent on bees to pollinate apples, to blueberries, cranberries, hmm. melons. And so most of the bee colonies managed in the country are managed by very few beekeepers, these commercial beekeepers, hmm. um, that move their colonies around. Mm -hmm. However, most of the beekeepers in the country are backyard beekeepers with 50 or fewer colonies. Okay. And they don't own most of the colonies, but they're an important segment too because these are the people we're sort of doing it out of as a hobby or out of love or out of dedication to try to help protect the environment. Hmm. I want to say, though, too, that we're talking about honeybees. Mm -hmm. But remember, there are thousands of species of native bees in this hmm. country as well. Mm -hmm. They aren't in colonies usually. They're very small and but beautiful. Like, I mean, these are flying gems. And <laughs> I really encourage you to look at those, too. And so when we're talking about protecting bees and helping bees, we're usually talking about honeybees. But we're hoping that those efforts are also protecting um, our native biodiversity. Okay. So I understand that the lives of honeybees are intertwined with the lives of humans, but I'm not exactly sure how. So could you explain for our listeners so that we really understand how and why we need the bees? Sure. And I guess there's some historical context to this because we have, as, a, as, a, as humans, have mm -hmm. been working with honeybees for thousands of years. And we have cave paintings that are two and a half thousand years old of people collecting bees and using smokers. And that's because in the old world, there was no sugar cane. So there was no sugar. The only okay. sugar you got was from honey. And you can imagine then how glorious this would be. If you've never tasted sugar and you taste honey, it's like the nectar of the gods. It's mm. this really yeah. wonderful resource. And so we have a very rich and long history keeping bees. Um now, uh, with modern agriculture, the way we plant crops, we need these bees to pollinate our crops. And so the reliance on honeybees, although honey is a very important product that mm -hmm. bees produce and mm -hmm. it's part of, important part of our economy, mm -hmm. the most value we get is from this pollination service. And so one in three bites of food we eat hmm. are pollinated either directly or indirectly by honeybees. Huh. And so without honeybees, we won't starve. We'll still have our grains, like the wind-pollinated food we eat, like corn and wheat and oats. Okay. But we wouldn't have that variety that, that makes our diet rich and exciting, okay. Okay. like the fruits and nuts. Hmm. So that's why bees are so important is because we want that variety in okay. our diet. Okay. So what are some of the main concerns or issues that are affecting bees today in Western society? You know, what have we done to inspire this loss um, and what can we do to correct that? Right. So there are three major drivers of, of colony loss. Mm-hmm. The first and foremost is the varroa mite, which is this large parasitic mite hmm. that evolved on the Asian honeybee and then jumped over to the European honeybee and has since spread around most of the world. Hmm. And the problem with this mite is not only does it sit there and suck up the fat on bees, which makes them weaker, mm -hmm. but it also spreads viruses. And these viruses have become much more lethal the longer we've lived with these mites. And so it's a combination of these varroa and viruses. And also the, the, the products we use to treat these mites aren't working as, more, as effectively as they once did. And so a lot of the problem we're facing in this country 
is with these mites and mm. their populations getting out of control. Okay. Another real problem is pesticides. Mm -hmm. That includes the pesticides beekeepers are adding to the colonies to control the mites, oh. but also pesticides that farmers are applying to the field and beekeepers are bringing back. Oh. Now, there's a lot of rules to protect bees against these pesticides, especially insecticides. Like farmers know you're not supposed to spray flowering plants with insecticides. Mm -hmm. But it's really clear that these pesticides, when they're sprayed, some like fungicides, which aren't lethal to bees, do have a sublethal effect on the bees' health and so make them more vulnerable to disease in, in the long term. And so pesticides certainly play a role and sometimes a very acute role. If someone's misapplying a pesticide, it certainly causes large-scale damage very quickly. Hmm. And the third, of course, is forage and its habitat and food. And if you think about how we produce food now, there's large expanses of monocultures of corn or alfalfa. And this doesn't provide a lot of good food for bees. And so we have to think about how the landscape can be developed in order to support honeybees and other pollinators that, that we rely on for, for, for our food supply. And so, we have, so it's a three-pronged approach. Okay. We have to think about varroa control. And that's beekeepers have to be um, very strong about that. Mm -hmm. We have to think about keeping our environment as pesticide free as possible. Absolutely. And so wise use of pesticides. Mm -hmm. And we have to make sure that we have good forage um, out there for bees, um, both honeybees and the native bees. Which is a great place to segue into this idea of what can we do as average human beings to help or to um, turn the tide a little bit. Sure. So I think there's a couple of things that everyone can do, and that's what's exciting about this project. Mm -hmm. What's really important here, too, is that this is a problem that's complicated. That means it's going to have a complicated answer that involves everyone. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you can do is support local beekeepers. Okay. Buy local honey. And by buying local honey, you're saving on carbon emissions. It's the, it's the least carbon footprint to get sweetener to your table. Okay. You also then can explore sort of this great diversity of flavor that's produced right in your area. Spring honey is very different than summer honey, which is very different than fall honey. Okay. You can also think about becoming a beekeeper. And every, as I mentioned before, everyone owes it to themselves <laughs> to open a hive once because it's probably one of the most relaxing and meditative things you can do. Wow. The other thing you can do, of course, is to plant a pollinator garden. Why do we have these vast expanses of lawns of, right. of just one species right. of grass? I mean, they're green deserts. I agree. And so mm -hmm. I think that if we can think about turning that into a rich community of plants, different flowering plants that are flowering at different times, we're not spraying pesticides. This acts as a great food source, not only for honeybees again, but sort of for biodiversity in general. Um, so I think everyone can do that. If everyone took 10% of the, the their lawn uh -huh. and converted it into a pollinator garden, it would be like doubling the number of national parks we have in the country. Hmm. So there's a lot we can do very immediately. Well, you've given me a lot to think about and my husband's head's going to roll when I come home and say, we are changing the yard. Absolutely. And this is our plan for the summer. So I appreciate that. Um, there's one last question I want to ask you before we end our conversation today. Um, and I am a, a writer and a poet at heart. So when I was reading some of your articles and listening to your TED talk, one of the things that made me really curious was about the organization of bee communities. Um, so I know they're highly organized and efficient. And I just wonder what we humans can learn from this. Is there some metaphor or takeaway that we can gain when we understand how bee colonies work? Well, yes. I mean, and, and allegories are rich with bees. Of course, you know, <laughs> bees are always associated with, you know, industrialness 
and these things. But one thing to think about, and this is sort of a great way of sort of conceptualizing it, is there's a Latin saying that una apis non apis, a bee is not a bee. And what they mean by that is that we don't think of the individual honeybees as living things. Hmm. We think of the entire colony as this living, vibrant organism. And so what bees have done, for instance, is that they've evolved ways of protecting the colony that aren't in the individual self-interest. So for instance, when bees get sick and they know they're sick, they try to fly away from the colony and die away from the colony in an act we call altruistic suicide. Uh-huh. And so it's it's sort of helping protect the, 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 the greater good. Wow. And certainly... I think that uh, I, I don't think we 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 want to become super organisms necessarily as a, as a society, <laughs> but I think that there's a lot to be learned about how cooperation is much more efficient and effective than not cooperating. Sure. And also remember that in a colony, the queen mates with up like six, on average sixteen drones. Wow. And so that means that there's different subfamilies in the colony. It's not like everyone is is exactly related. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's in that diversity mm-hmm. that the most diverse, genetically diverse colonies are always the healthiest and most productive. Mm, I love and so that. So I think there's a lesson there too, is that it's in diversity that there is strength because we're not all great at everything right. and we can't be. Right. And so you want to have have different members in our society that do different things to help society function. Dr. Dennis Van Engelsdorp, Thank you so much for being on the Make Meaning podcast. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for your interest. Thank you. It was lovely to talk with one of the preeminent bee experts in the United States. Now, I'd like to bring the conversation home to my own backyard to look at how bee conservation is blossoming in the city of Detroit. With me today are Deandra Lamel and Nicole Lindsay from Detroit Hives. Welcome to the Make Meaning podcast. Hi. Hi, thanks for having us. So great to have you guys here. So I love Detroit. I'm a native. I um, am so proud of my city. And so when I found Detroit Hives, when I was planning this episode, I just was so curious. Can you start by educating me and our listeners on what Detroit Hives is and what you guys do? Yeah, so Detroit Hives is a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, We strengthen our communities and bee populations by transforming Detroit vacant lots into urban bee farms. Cool. What an education economy. Conservation of honeybees. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So you're taking urban lots. Um, are you purchasing the lots or are you working with the city to make them into bee farms? How does that work? Yeah. So we exist in seven locations, four, four locations of which we own. Okay. Uh, we have a partnership with the Detroit Land Bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and through these partnerships, we have we exist in these locations with 32 beehives throughout the metro Detroit area. Nice. Yeah. So we partner with local businesses, organizations, and schools. So so is it like anyone who says, I want to get in on the action, you'll come and set them up with beehives or how does that work? Um, so when we connect with our partners, like um, we have um, beehives and with uh, urban farms. So there are two organizations where we have, we place our bees because with bees and crops and sure they go hand in hand sure right um so we have hives at uh peachtree parks which is um another organization where they transform detroit vacant lots into um urban farms cool um and then we partnered up with another another organization called hope takes root they're the oldest urban um farm in detroit so we place hives there so you know like i said those bees they go hand in hand so they make sure that those vegetables those fruits flowers are grown properly 
heavily pollinated nice. by their work. So, awesome. Yeah. And then you have an educational component to what you do as well. Yes. So yes. do you go into schools or how are you spreading the word and educating people about bees? Yeah. Um, and then one of our locations is uh, Mumford High School. Ah. So it's actually Timothy's alma mater. He's graduated from there. And so we placed hives there. Uh, that was because me and Timothy weren't exposed to anything like beekeeping or okay. bees. Okay. Um, so for our listeners, Timothy yeah. is your partner in founding Detroit Hives, right? Yes. Okay. Um, Timothy is our co-founder and uh-huh. he's also my boyfriend. Nice. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> Keeping it in the family. Love right. it. Right. Love it. So do you go into schools then and do yeah. a whole curriculum on bees? Or? Um, we're in the process of doing a curriculum, but for right now we have um, educational tours. Okay. Our apiary serves as an as educational hub. So schools come out and visit us um, so they can get an up close and personal uh, look and experience with honeybees. Nice. Which is like the, I absolutely love it um, because that's how we keep our, the the program going when we educate our youth. Okay. So it's important to educate them about the importance of honeybees. Sure. And why they're so important to our environment. Um, and we also visit schools. Okay. So we go out to schools. We do career days. Um, a lot of teachers email us and invite us and say, hey, I've been teaching my students about um, cross-pollination and honeybees. And we would lo- love for you guys to come out and visit us and explain more about what you guys are doing in Detroit. So, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> kids see it firsthand. That's how they can find that passion. Yeah. You know, the, the expert I spoke with earlier on this episode was talking about how in college he took a class and he first saw, um, you know, a hive and he just was in love like right away from seeing it that launched his whole career. Yeah. So I think you have to be in that moment to, to really get into it and be inspired to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. So like, um, even when we have kids out, we're not, you know, like actually looking for them to become beekeepers, but we don't know what this experience might lead them to. Sure. You know, it can open up different avenues of being an entomologist or working with a company and making sure that that company is um, maintaining sustainable practices for the environment. So I think it opens up a branch of a wide variety of opportunities, especially for the inner city youth that they weren't exposed to. Absolutely. So it just opens and broadens their minds and open discussions. And so I I love it because their eyes just light up when we bring the bees to them and they're getting that firsthand experience, especially putting on beekeeping suits. Well, and I can see the passion all (laughs) over your face. It's like so great. So I can only imagine that the students are like, wow, she's so excited. I got to get excited. You know, even even to the point of them just being aware Uh of what's going on and how bees play a part in their life. Sure. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So let's talk about the role of Detroit hives within Detroit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I grew up in the 70s and 80s and Detroit did not have the best reputation in the country. And I'm, mm-hmm. I am I stayed and, you know, stuck with it. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. We're really cool. Yeah. And then, you know, we really sort of come into our own. I mean, we always knew Detroit was great, but now everybody else does too. Right. Um, so how is Detroit hives playing a part in this sort of growth and um, sort of renewal? I mean, the mm-hmm. urban farms, are definitely gaining momentum. Um, you know, so much planting, so much awareness, people moving it back into the city who had left. So where is Detroit Hives helping that sort of a movement? Um, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, with Detroit Hives, we're revi- revitalizing our communities as well through bees. Um, when we, when I came up with the idea and say, hey, let's bring bees to Detroit, um, at that time, you know, we were 
studying like spirituality and we were more open to this different idea. Sure. Um, and before we had came up with the idea of beekeeping, we were also thinking about different types of experiences to bring to Detroit. Okay. You know, at that time, well, me and Timothy are Detroit natives. So we were born and raised here. We stayed here. We went to schools here. Well, Timothy went to Wayne State. I went to Oakland University. Great. Um, and so we've seen this transition from the foreclosures tons of vacant lots starting to appear blight and what it's doing into our community right and you know with the start of the revilation started in downtown detroit yeah but the neighborhoods were being um forgotten yeah forgotten definitely yeah and so we wanted to do something in our community and so with that being said you know we just went for it you know we had a partnership with detroit land bank uh, purchased our lots um our first plot that we uh, purchased was at east warner mcculloch okay and um we revitalized that area uh, we have like a business that's next door that's a uh, cleaners and we had um our neighbors the franks um before that lot, before we came there, that lot was used as a dumping ground. Oh, so it was all types of hidden treasures there. <laughs> it still is. <laughs> yeah, oh it still is, and we're still discovering. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, with us bringing the bees there, we transformed our community. Okay. We took away the blight. So, when you live in a blighted area, it's a d- direct reflection of you. Yeah. So, when you come outside and you see that your environment is trashed, it's dirty. People People dumping don't care that plays on your mental Absolutely. you know you become really depressed there's an increase in crime you're contributing to it you know yeah. and it's just this ongoing cycle of negativity sure so when we came there and brought detroit hives there we revitalized that community wow um and so we start changing that um what's the word i'm looking for just that atmosphere yeah. there, the the vibrations there. And so with the bees, the bees brought in all types of nature. I mean, cool. we started seeing monarch butterflies ah, and the neighbors next door is like, oh, I haven't seen monarch butterflies in like years. Yeah. And we start noticing that the people who are there in the community start cleaning up and picking up everything and keeping their lawns cut. And then we notice, um, oh, there's new lights being installed. And yeah. So since we've been there, it's just been a whole, you know, domino effect. Yes. Yeah. Of positivity. Yeah. That's really cool. (laughs) I mean, I think it's, I don't know that people think about how their mental state and their, you know, emotional energy is impacted by their surroundings. So you make a really great point because, um, you, you know, you might think like, oh, I, it's just I live here. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's just my house. But right. but it does impact your vision, your outlook, your ambition. Right. You know? So, I mean, wow, you're really impacting in so many ways. Yeah. It's yeah. really so, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so you Thank guys you. have had some great coverage in National Geographic and Huffington Post. Bravo. That's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so, you know, it focuses on the entrepreneurial aspect of what you're mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. Um, and then also on racial equality and beekeeping. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about those aspects, you know, um, what do we need to know, you know, in both regards? Yeah. So um, when Huffington Post shared our story, it just had like this snowball effect. We got all these emails. (laughs) Cool. I mean, everybody wanted to come out and find out what was going on in Detroit with Detroit Hives. Like, wait, there's a beekeeping apiary operation 
in the middle of Detroit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I know this is like a crazy idea, but I believe that it was needed. Yeah. You know? Sure. And, um, and we just had this huge impact and everybody just wanted to hear our story and what was going on. Um, and then when you talk about like the, the, the racial impact, um, like there aren't a yeah. lot, there's not a lot of diversity in beekeeping. No, and so, I mean, it's a pretty white endeavor, right? Yeah. In the country. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that you're really being leaders mm-hmm. in, you know, introducing to all all kinds of communities that this is for you. This is your story too. Right. 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 And why is that important? I mean. Uh, yeah, I think it's important to have diversity in every area yes. of expertise. Yes. Um, studies work it, it's better when there's different um people coming together you Absolutely. know what i mean yeah and so um like with detroit highs i know people we don't look like traditional beekeepers <laughs> um, and people are surprised and um look at us twice when we say that we are like no way and then we have to like show pictures you know yeah <laughs> like, but you're but, like uh, leading people you're yeah. really like changing the narrative yeah we are changing the narrative and we're inspiring so many people yes um uh, to start doing beekeeping or come up with beekeeping operations or do things to support the environment. So even when we go out to, um, we went to an oncology um, conference and they wanted to, they're starting to want more diversity, even with women. Uh Um, A lot of women are not really going into that direction as well. So when we talk about diversity, we're just not talking about color. We're talking about gender. gender. Yeah, Yeah. so there's definitely a lack there, but we're inspiring so many people to, do the same thing sure. and eliminating fear. So like with young girls, a lot of times that they are scared of bees. I mean, I was scared of bees sure. at one point in time. Yeah. So, yeah. But it was through the education that that fear transformed into love. Yes. And so I want to spread this love everywhere. I love it. And I love yeah. it. And you're quite a visionary in terms yeah. of being an entrepreneur. Like you right. just saw this need and this, um, this possibility and you just mm-hmm. made it happen. Yeah. So I think that's an important aspect that um, this is, this is an entrepreneurial endeavor you know yeah. you're yeah. you're just you're just placing something where before there was nothing right and showing that it can transform everybody and everything around it right yeah and also cool. it's important to show our youth um diversity on all aspects of anything because to see like growing up to see different people doing different things it just broadens your mind to yeah. endless possibilities of what you can do when you grow up so I think that's very, very important. It's funny. Um, the <laughs> expert I spoke with before you guys came into the studio said, um, he said that um, diver- in diversity, we have strength. And he was talking Definitely. about yeah. the beehives. And so he was saying, <laughs> we learn from them mm-hmm. that by having a diversity of families within the hive, yeah. you have a stronger community. You do. Which is so cool. You right. know, like, oh, I love the metaphor. We need to use that. Right. That's so great. <laughs> you know, it's awesome. Yeah. So um, this podcast focuses on purpose and meaning. And so I wanted to ask you guys um, where you find your purpose or how you're making meaning through the work that you do. I'm assuming that's probably some of the stuff you've already talked about, but <laughs> you know, this question of meaning and purpose, um, talk a little yeah. bit about what that is for you. Wow. So, um, <laughs> okay. So let me start with my, my background. So um, I went to Oakland University. I have a degree in psychology. You know, after graduating, you know, I still wasn't sure of purpose and why am I the 
That's okay. Emotions are good, <laughs> yeah, right? So <laughs> it's from the heart that yeah. yeah. So you know, you know, I was dealing with things and like trying to figure out exactly what am I supposed to do here, sure. right? Yeah. And when Timothy got sick and mm. somebody told him to consume the local raw honey, we start talking about bees and then just this love and passion just came upon me and I was like wow we can really do something with this we can really make an impact on our community yeah and you know and I'm finding purpose and passion and giving back and it's nothing like it you know what I mean yeah. and I'm I'm sorry for these emotions no, thank but... <laughs> you for sharing yourself with us no yeah, so. well, tell me a little bit about T- Timothy's journey you said he got yeah. sick and the raw local honey was yeah. helping him so yeah. let's you know t- tell that story a little bit so we know yeah. yeah so um how this all came about was um Timothy was dealing with a cold that lasted like two months too long right oh yeah and um, he started with home remedies that his grandmother had given him. And she has passed away a few years now. Mm-hmm. And um, so those weren't working. And then I said, okay, well, maybe you should consume like, you know, some over-the-counter medication. That wasn't working. And the cough just started getting worse. You know, when you cough for a long time, it's really starting to hurt in the body. Yeah. So we were like, okay, you need to go see a doctor. And so the doctor gave him antibiotics, but that didn't work. Hmm. So he has a um, advertising agency in Ferndale. So he frequents this store on Nine Mile in Hilton. Yeah, Hinton. I know that place. Yeah. So uh-huh. you know, it's like it's not a helpful store, yeah, no. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he was there getting chips and pop, something that he shouldn't be getting. <laughs> and the owner there knows him because he's frequent there all the time, and he say, "Hey, you should try this local raw honey that we have here." Hmm. Um, he didn't know the difference between like honey. We just assumed it was just yeah, all honey. Honey's honey. Right. Yeah. And so he came back and he had like this tub of honey. Um, he consumed it was really good. <laughs> um, so it wasn't your um like your traditional liquid honey. It sure. was the Thicker. crystallized. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Crystallized honey. And so he was taking that like maybe a lot so because <laughs> it was so good yeah so like three three and three so three tablespoons of honey uh for morning noon and night okay and and within three weeks it worked really yeah so it worked wow. and uh we started studying the medicinal properties of honey uh-huh. um and we started looking into how bees made honey uh-huh. and then i just discovered this whole little world of bees and how they function <laughs> and i just like fell in love with it right and um and i was like okay we have to bring this to Detroit like we were already had in mind what we're going to do with vacant lots we just yeah. didn't know like exactly what we had a bunch of ideas and I sure. was like let's bring bees you found your purpose yeah and I found my purpose through bees and wow. it's been an amazing journey like I never would have thought I wasn't an outdoorsy person my mom is still looking at me crazy like I'm, I cannot <laughs> believe like this is like what you're doing <laughs> who are you what right? have you done with my daughter right, right? <laughs> yes right yeah and she says that all the time like what happened? Right. She was like, but I love it. And it's just through bees, like these little beautiful insects gave me purpose. Oh, you it's know? amazing. Yeah. And, you know, and I want to inspire children and everybody else to, you know, try something new, you know, just explore the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. You never know what it might open up for you. Right. Because like I said, I was, I didn't know what my purpose was or 
what was I here for? And just trying to figure that out. You know what I mean? And then it landed and, in your lap. Man. It did. Literally. Yes. Right. Yeah, so crazy. <laughs> how the life yeah. is like so full circle. Yes. Yeah. So Deandra, yeah. how about you? How, where, what do you yeah. think about this meaning and purpose question? <laughs> so um, a little background on me. So I graduated high school in like 2015. And then after that, I was like, any other kid debating whether I should go to college sure. or not. Yeah. So I ended up not going to college. Um, and then I was just like picking up jobs and different things. So then when Nicole came to me, I, background, but well, backstory, I've known Nicole about 13 years now. So then when she came to me <laughs> and she was like, um, hey, do you, got, do you mind working on my garden? Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, sure. So we got out there, and during that time, we only had, like, two little raised garden beds that somebody donated. So we got out there, and I was, like, pruning different things. And then she was like, hey, her and Tim were like, hey, you know a lot about this. I'm like, I think so. I mean, I just know, you know. Yeah. (laughs) So um, then it went from that to doing a pollinator waste station outside, then um, flowers around the geodome that we have there for educational purposes. And then that trickled down to, um, you know, speaking to kids about native plants and different things and how they help us. Sure. Um, and then I started going to be well I'm about to finish my first beekeeping course um, congratulations (laughs) so now I get to finally help them inside the hive because at first I just watched from the outside (laughs) but now I get to help um and I'm very much so a person who lets life flow and just take me in a direction that I feel like you know I should go yeah so I learned through life like planning things never worked for me okay like trying to plan to go to college or pl- it just never worked. Sure. So me letting life flow, um, it brought me back to my childhood when I was very much so, I was like a little girl trying to plant my own garden. Mm-hmm. Like my grandma would tell you, I used to save up my money, walk to the little um, the little plant shop down the street, buy tomato um, tomatoes, plant uh-huh. them in the backyard yeah. and everything, not knowing what I was doing. I was just trying to do it. So... Um, Detroit Hives has definitely opened my eyes to something that was already there. Right. I already had a pla- um, a passion for plants, um, house plants, and different things. And now educating people, that's definitely my purpose. Love it. Love it. And I love what you said, too. I think this is so true that we know when we're really young who we are and and what our purpose is. And we sort of lose that as we get older and we start caring. We just like blindside, like just not even pay attention to it. I was always into plants. Yeah. Always into plants. (laughs) And I was always into cooking, like cooking with the stuff that I grew and I was just like some my color. I remember my culinary teacher telling me like you should stick with culinary. You really should stick with. I really don't like it though, but I'm good at it. But I don't like it. Uh-huh. So she was like, no, but you should really stick with it. Like you pick up stuff really well. And I'm like, are you sure? But now as I get older, I see myself falling back in love with culinary and different things. And I'm like, wow, if I really listened when it she was there me, all the time, there, right? The time. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, this is so great. I'm really yeah. thrilled to have both of you in the studio and to learn about Detroit Hives. So. So as we finish this episode, I wonder if you can tell our listeners either how they can get involved or how they can learn more about Detroit Hives. Yeah, so everybody can join the Hive by following us on all our social media platforms um, at Detroit Hive. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Um, and then they can also do their part in saving the bees by trying to use 
um, not using chemicals sure. or going to a more organic way of treating your lawn or reserving a place on your lawn as a pollinator habitat. Love that. Yeah. I know. I'm like, I'm <laughs> yeah. bored. Now I want right. to do that in my yeah. yard. <laughs> I love so it. Native species can... and plant, native plant species are very much important. They're there for a reason. Yep. They need to stay there. They are very important. Okay. Yes. Great. And also planting, well, having a a container of water, of shallow water. Okay. Place some pebbles, stones, marbles in there. Okay. Because when our bees go on out and foraging, they get thirsty just like we do. Huh. You know? Okay. So, some hardworking ladies. <laughs> yes, they are some hardworking <laughs> ladies. So they right. love something to drink. So where you have your pollinator habitat, just place a little shallow container of water, place some rocks in there because these girls are great flyers. They're not great swimmers. Okay. And so when they're getting a drink of water, have something for them to land on so they can drink their water. Nice. Um, and just cutting down the chemicals. Okay. So, yeah. It helps everybody. It helps. Yes. Because not only are bees affected, all of our insects, yeah. our animals, and even us. I agree. Yeah. Well, thank <laughs> you so much, Nicole, Nicole yeah. and Deandra, for being on the show today. Thank you for having us. Um, Thanks for Really having appreciate us. it. We will check out Detroit Hives. Yes. Come see what the buzz is about. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and I've really enjoyed being here with you today. You can find the Make Meaning Podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And I'd love it if you'd share our great conversations with all your people so we can add meaning wherever we go and whatever we do.